Yeah, 2010. Not the year, but the time. This, the 9th of Jan, 2023. If you don't know it now, you certainly will know very, very soon. Normal scheduling resumes. I'm starting at 20 hours this week, unlike 19 hours last week. I've got two hours, unlike last week, where I had three. And there won't be nearly as much music as we might have played this time last week because there's a lot of business on the show to cover, starting with the public lecture. Ordinarily, it would have been last week, Monday, but unfortunately, because of the festive broadcasting, we unfortunately had to put a stay on proceedings, to use legal terms, and postpone the matter. Not seen a DA, but a week. So today, we have the Monday lecture, and that lecture is to be delivered by Nkulego Hlengwa, the public lecture on the work of Scopa, what the public ought to know. Of course, Nkulego Hlengwa is an IFP member of Parliament. He is the chairperson of Scopa. Remember Temba Godi? Well, he was, of course, long ago replaced by this young, fine, and very erudite, if not completely charming individual, Nkulego Tlengo. He joins us very briefly, but after that, in fact, we have him for the hour or so. 30 minutes uninterrupted, he gives us a perspective on the work of Scopa and the many oversight functions they perform in relation to public accounts, how public monies essentially are spent, looking at the work of committees. Then we go to news with Greg Hose in the new hour conversation with Joanna LeBlanc. What makes the new U.S. Congress different? This is following U.S. midterm elections towards the end of last year. And perhaps what changes in the U.S. Congress may or may not mean for the African continent at large, but certainly specifically for South Africa and what, if anything, we can leverage in relation to the shakeup in the House of Representatives. The following interview after that would be with Professor Samson Mampueli, Green Hydrogen Research. This, of course, following the dialogue he had had in the ANC build-up towards the January 8th statement that the president delivered yesterday. So there's plenty to look forward to this evening. As always, give us a shout, 086-000-2032. Drop us a WhatsApp voice note, please, 614 Voice notes, you will recall, as always, under a minute on this platform with as little, if any, background noise as possible. The time is 2012. After the break, Lengua Mabegre on air. on the viewpoint. My brother, Mkulego, how's it? How are you? I'm fine, but how are you? I'm well, thank you. You are supposed to be in studio today. Why? Why? Tell me why you're not. Well... This morning I was flying out of Cape Town to uh, Durban, and uh, mid-air we were told that the windscreen of the aeroplane had cracked and they rerouted the flight to Joburg, and I had to fly down for the first meeting of the um, IFP National Office Bearers, our top seven today. And so I arrived because of that delay at a time when I was supposed to be flying up, so I could have been in studio. So one had that very interesting um, experience today. I've never experienced it before, um, where, well, the windscreen cracked. I've got a picture, but I don't think it's clear enough. Which carrier is this? It was Kame. Okay. Kame, yes. Um, they are morning flight from to from Cape Town to um, Durban. It wasn't an uh, eventful uh, occasion, albeit, right? I'm no, no, no. Okay. No, it wasn't. Just very calm. Um, the usual, please be advised, we didn't have to reroute the aircraft. Very you know, well. that very, yeah, so they rerouted us. But I, I get a sense they sort of had to, you know, slow down, I suppose, if there's such a phrase mid-air, um, to reduce the extent of the um, pressure coming onto the screen, the windscreen. Uh, that was cracked, and because they are they are housed in um, Johannesburg at uh, OR Tambo International, that's why they rerouted so that there could be ease of access to mechanical um, work because they'd, ha- they'd have to replace it as a brief explanation that you were given, and then you were put into another flight. That's fine, that's fine. You've indulged me a lot. Um, I was really hoping to see you in studio this year. I haven't seen you in a long time. We haven't had a guest in studio in a while, so I was hoping you'd break that duck. But without further ado, thank you so much for honoring our invitation to offer this public lecture on the work of Scopa, 
what the public must know. I do confirm that Mr. Nkule Gotlengo is the chairperson of the Standing Committee on Public Accounts in our national parliament. He comes now just to ensure that we keep abreast of the developments that are happening in parliament. Of course, parliament is not taking place typically where it was, in Plain Street, but in the City Hall in Cape Town because somebody decided to burn it. I'm not in the least convinced. It's the guy who is actually appearing and facing those charges who is behind it all. Be that as it all may be, please give us a call 86 0032 0614-104-107. Drop us a WhatsApp or a WhatsApp voice note. But for the next 20 to 25 minutes, Mr. Hlengwa will be in an uninterrupted in his offering of the lecture. Hlengwa, it's all yours. Um, thank you very much, Um Good evening to you and the listeners and um, compliments of the new year for 2023. And I'm hopeful that's the last time I will have to say that. I think um, after the 7th, really, we must sort of just get on with it. But I'm really hoping and praying that we all have a good and productive year as individuals and as a country, because I'm fundamentally concerned about the state of the economy. And so far as job creation is concerned, specifically, particularly for young people, the economy is in serious trouble, rolling blackouts because of load shedding and the instability that currently characterizes ESCOM in itself doesn't inspire um, confidence. Of course, we are yet to now see the extent to which this um, new variant of COVID, which is being reported, what it will actually mean. But what we certainly cannot afford is another lockdown and the extent to which we saw uh, what it does to the economy and particularly um, jobs. Now, the issue at hand, I'm going to try and contextualize uh, Scopa um, within the parliamentary framework. So the first issue is to say we come in, we come in after the fact. See, so we do what uh, I call the post-mortem of public expenditure in terms of the rules, because the Auditor General, who is the Supreme Audit Authority of the country, will order to delegate another audit firm, all government departments and entities and municipalities. The financial year of government departments and entities is um, 1 April to 31 March, and municipalities and their entities is 1 uh, July to 30 June. So it's staggered in that way, and both are compliant or supposed to be compliant with the PFMA on one hand, in the MFMA and the other, and of course supported by the Structures Act and the Systems Act, but that's a story for another day. So the Auditor General's audit outcomes are then tabled to Parliament, and then we receive them. And as you know, there's the spectrum of audit outcomes from what is known as a clean audit, which is a discussion we need to have in itself, because a clean audit does not necessarily mean or translate into service delivery nor does it mean that you have achieved all your um, intended uh, targets for the year and so far. It just means that where you did spend um, and how you spent was consistent with the parameters of the law and you are able to substantiate um, how you spent your SCM processes and so on. So a clean audit in itself must always be taken with a pinch of salt. Uh, because it does not necessarily mean that you have achieved. Make an example, the Western Cape um, Community Safety Department receives a clean audit, but the crime in the Western Cape, particularly the Cape Flats and the drugs and so on that takes place, we all know what it is, the gangsterism. So you can see that whilst the financial management is there, and which, of course, we want. I'm not in one way downplaying it. We want that, that when you do spend, that it actually is consistent with the law. And, of course, it moves all the way to a disclaimed audit outcome where the Auditor General is unable to make an opinion for a lack of information, um, a lack of access to information, or just that your books are so bad that they would not know where to start or end, and therefore they do not touch it um, because of of that problem. So that's the worst audit outcome. There's, There's the unqualified and then the qualified and so on. Now, we prioritize in terms of our post-mortem activities because the rules of Parliament, Rule 245, which then spells out our work, 
says we must interrogate that and look at it. So that's what we do. We ask the question, what killed the patient? Um, and that is why then I'm saying we come in after the fact. Um, it would be ideal, of course, if we were to be proactive in the sense that be part and parcel of the operational processes as and when they happened. But of course, that is just would be us being players and referees because the expectation is that those who are in the positions of financial processing and financial management will do what it is that is expected of them. So in the parliamentary context with that background, of course, as you know, there's the 400 members of parliament, and then we are divided into committees uh, along proportional lines because committees are subcommittees, really, of the plenary of the National Assembly. So currently now, as things stand, there are six members of the ANC, two members of the DA, uh, one member of the EFF, one member of the IFP, and one member of the ATM. The committee has got 11 members, so it will be along those lines. So it's six ANC MPs and five opposition MPs, for lack of a better phrase, in the context of this conversation. And so we received the work. And so I made the point that it is a political committee. Uh, it's important that we understand that uh, whilst we, 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 we are cognizant of the fact that we've got a specialized operation and that's international practice because it's not a dictate that the chair must come from the opposition. It's international best practice. So the ANC could have very well continued and chaired the committee itself because they are in the majority, but they adhere to the international best practice. The second point is government departments or the parliament structures its committees to mirror government departments. So Department of Agriculture, there's a portfolio committee on agriculture. And so it goes. It is in those committees where 99.9% of parliamentary oversight work for each department is supposed to take place and should be taking place. The line function portfolio committee must oversee the relevant department. So the budget of the department is presented there. The APP, which is the annual performance plan, is presented there. Uh, the budget review and recommendations report, which comes in at the end of the year, is presented there. So the machinery of parliament in the main, in its majority, is in portfolio committees. My observation has been that portfolio committees have wrongly seen themselves as an extension of the executive and not an independent instrument of an independent arm of the state to be able to perform their functions. There is the common phrasing which says parliament has become a rubber stamping institution of the executive on one hand and the rubber stamping institution of the House on the other. The only way to give credence to that statement is to allow portfolio committees not to be consistent with their own um, duties, rules, functions, and responsibilities. The EMEA expenditure processes of government departments are monitored by the Standing Committee on Appropriations. So I'm painting the reality of the conveyor belt of Parliament. It's Portfolio Committee's Standing Committee on Appropriations, audit outcomes, and then comes in scope. So we are most likely to be interrogating something that happened 18 months ago and dealing with it today. And that is... Of course, one of the, 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 the challenges there that we have. I must hasten to say, though, of course, that follow-through has become a standard operating procedure of the committee in the sense that we do not necessarily have to wait for audit outcomes if we have been dealing with the matter or it has arisen that there is a particular instance of interest which we need to look at. I know that, um, let me make an example, right? The SAA uh, deal, uh, insofar as the strategic equity partner is concerned, 
to say that as things stand now, there's no deal there. And so, because there's been no transfer of money, the, the, that deal is dependent on Takatso providing 3.5 billion rands on the table. Why I raise this as an example is that the SAA has not sub- submitted annual financial statements or an annual report to Parliament for the past four years. So if we were to wait for the, would rather be consistent with the rules which say wait for audit outcomes, then we would not be dealing with the SAA matter. But on the basis that they have not submitted, we ask the question why, why have you not submitted? So the audit process should have started now over of the last four financial years um, of SAA, which should give us a a better sense of what is, is happening. I, ra- I, I raise this to highlight, of course, that there are instances of of being proactive. Um, in 20, one of the first things we did when we came in, we were dealing with the Prasa matter, uh, which continues to be on our radar up to now because of the challenges that are there. And we called in what was then the interim board uh, of Prasa. The minister uh, was present as well. And one of the findings of the Auditor General was that the board had been unable to keep our top minutes. It was a, 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 a long set of minutes of board meetings. I think there must have been some over 50 sets of minutes that were there. And we indicated to the minister on observation that if a basic fiduciary function of record keeping uh, is being mismanaged in this way, it's the clearest indication that this board is not fit for purpose. That board was dissolved at our instance in conjunction with, uh, in, 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 in agreement with the minister. That's the kind of proactive steps that we can take and should take. To zoom in more closely as to the elements of collapse, you look at now the National Skills Fund has been receiving uh, disclaimed adverse audit uh, opinions for the longest of time, year upon year. And we directed that um, a forensic investigation be done. Uh, and it was done. You'll remember it's the one where there was that um, towing and throwing between the committee and the department about the report being held. Uh, confidential and so on until I made the determination the directive of the committee that it was not. But that audit, that that forensic investigation comes out of the instance uh, of of the committee. The other aspect which is is a tool for, and I think one which the public must utilize, is petitions to parliament. So, for example, the residents of Macedonia municipality in the free state uh, petitioned the National Council of Provinces uh, on the vast array of challenges taking place there. We re- that, that the NCOP referred the matter to us in the National Assembly. So I think there's a you know, cooperation between the two houses. It's important. And we went there, and our report uh, is, is, is awaiting adoption now by the House. Um, because our belief as a committee is that even if you receive one rent as a department or as an entity, as a municipality from the national fiscals, we have got a responsibility and the duty to follow through on how you spend that. I will hasten to say, of course, we do have capacity uh, challenges, and I think generally Parliament has to do more and do better in this regard, insofar as cultivating for itself for sustainability and to be effective and efficient in the constitutional mandate we have of oversight over the executive to have fully fledged capacity and the necessary knowledge, skills and expertise to build up the parliamentary machinery to match what is happening in the executive and in the public spending space as things stand uh, right now. Um, you will recall that there was the matter which involved a member, because I think this is also one tool which is important, uh, who wrote in about the, the spending, uh, or rather the utterances and the leaked video clip of the president uh, making the assertion that public funds had been used for campaigning. We received that uh, member's petition, looked at it, and deemed it to be within the parameters of our work. Um, but of course, the matter was put to a vote, and I think this is important. 
that whilst we are a committee of consensus, and I think that we have largely succeeded in doing that over the past, um, you know, uh, four years, well, three and a half years as a committee, there have been instances where we've had to vote, and so the matter ended there. But the point I'm raising is, is that members themselves can raise issues which we believe are of public interest and within the mandate of the committee to look at. In fact, one other member has written in to us and we're dealing with the matter of the Housing Development Agency, the HDA. We had the member come in, brief us and present to us. And we, but when we assessed the matter, we felt that it was the competence of the portfolio committee uh, on human settlements. So all in all, the the, 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 the the committee, whilst we have now taken the steps to uh, be proactive and look at things in real time, in the main we form part and parcel of the conveyor belt of parliamentary work. Uh, and we tend as a committee to be cautious not to take on work which should be done by portfolio committees because then we, we, what will be rendering Parliament in its entirety uh, uh, useless. The, the major issue which is now before, oh, let me say that in, in our committee working space, what we have done is we will always have an Auditor General representative to make sure that um, the, 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 there's, you know, um, a, a, a manner of an exchange of information in real time. National Treasury officials, specifically or, or more generally, the Office of the Chief Procurement Officer, uh, the SIU uh, is now a permanent feature of our work. In fact, we are wanting to sign a memorandum of understanding between uh, ourselves as a committee on behalf of Parliament and the um, SIU to ensure that there is a, a collaboration in terms of the work that has been done to strengthen the investigative processes and to ensure that we beef up our own capacity as well. So that is work that is, is, is currently underway, which we have felt as a committee is important. We are receiving quarterly briefings from the law enforcement agencies as well, so NPA, the Anti-Corruption Task Team in its various um, you know, components appearing before us. So what generally we do then is we will receive the, and I'll be wrapping up, but so as we, are, we will receive in the, the, the audit outcomes. They will be um, categorized in terms of the, you know, the various outcomes that are there. They will be allocated to specific members of the committee uh, supported by research and content advisors and the secretariat and the AG and our strategic partners and stakeholders for the purposes of the hearing. And then, of course, is to bring in then the accounting authority or the accounting officer, which is the DG or the boards of entities, alongside the ministers. We've been very deliberate that whilst the PFMA is clear about who the accounting officer is or accounting authority is, we must have the political principles whom are our, our counterparts in the executive as parliament to deal with these, without them, make political decisions um, to, 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 to take them forward, to resolve. Um, I mean, we currently now, the Department of Employment and Labor, where um, the UIF and the compensation are housed today, uh, having interacted with the minister, a forensic investigation is due, and uh, we are going to be dealing with that uh, as we open. We had a political discussion with the minister or in the presidency insofar as uh, the vetting processes are concerned at SSA. You'll remember that we had even taken a decision as a committee that if they don't want to come, they will be subpoenaed um, by the committee. Because we've got uh, that uh, right as well. So we are using all the rights available to us um, as, a, as a committee and resources available to us to do this work. Maybe finally is to say we don't operate outside of Parliament's program. So our meeting days are prescribed 
by the National uh, Assembly Programming Committee. Uh, we have been designated meeting days of uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. At times, the committee will meet on Wednesday evenings with departments and entities and what we call the graveyard sessions to be able to, because a lot is wrong, so we need more time. When Parliament goes on recess, we have to go on recess unless we make a special application if a matter is is urgent. So in the main, uh, we are a committee of the National Assembly uh, working, doing the work on behalf uh, of the National Assembly. I can say that in the main, we have been able to zoom in and highlight uh, and deal with quite a number of tough issues and the agility and versatility of the committee uh, has proven uh, to work in that the members are very committed to one day you're dealing with the transport matter, the next day you're dealing with the water and sanitation matter. So there has to be that heightened level of uh, commitment reading and so that's why I'm making a clear and call for further support um, in order for us to be effective to, to do. Of course we can do more. I'll be the first one to admit to that. Uh, I would that um, we, 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 we can do more but I think within the parameters and limitations that we have we continue to do the work and also we are part and parcel of a broader operational framework um, of, of Parliament. I believe that if portfolio committees did what they were supposed to do to the letter, to the T, we would be, in most instances, dealing with really what I call the worst-case scenario matters. Um, And there have been instances where we have felt that, honestly, this matter should have been dealt with. But as I'm saying, our limitations uh, is that we are doing a post-mortem of, of that work. And what we are looking to do now is to uh, find ways and means of how we can lay charges as and when the need arises, as things arise, are lifted out uh, of our work uh, as well. I conclude with where I started, uh, but some as the listeners to say, ESCOM has been one entity that we have met with more than any other entity. We have had two oversight visits to ESCOM because the issues are, are so grave to the point that I think from the parliamentary perspective, we have made significant headway in peeling the onion of what is wrong because we, we, we had the SIU move into that space um, and they are, they are working there. And they've come back with, you remember that there was the sabotage issue uh, which had called the president to come back when uh, we were out of the country a few years ago when Mr. Ma, the late Mr. Mabuza was the chair and CEO of ESCOM. And there was the sabotage matter. But it has never been substantiated in terms of sabotage who, by way, and for what outcome. Whilst we know, of course, that um, the, there's, a, there's an energy syndicate lurking in the shadows uh, for whatever reason. But the SIU outcome, a categoric from the head of the SIU is to specify the areas of where um, the, 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 the syndicates uh, and the sabotage is taking place. It's in coal, uh, it's in the transportation space. Let me make an example. If you go to Kusile Power Station in, in Pumalang, uh, that power station is built on top of a coal mine. So they're supposed to have been mining coal from there for that coal mine. Yet 700 trucks on a daily basis are bringing coal from outside to that um, coal power station. So some of the things taking place at ESCOM are a deliberate sabotage arising out of incompetence, arising out of corruption, uh, incurring unnecessary costs uh, for, for the purposes of looting and corruption. As I speak to you right now, I'm on average, because I'm sure the numbers have been updated, but they are, I, I can say with caution, that there are 14 million tons of coal at Midupi Power Station right now. 
So the issue is not a problem of coal supply because they are on a take-or-pay contract as well, which is in itself risky in that even you don't need the coal, you have to take it if you don't to pay a penalty because of the contracts that you have signed. So when those power stations are not operating maximally and fully, they are a wasteful expenditure, a fruitless expenditure incurred by ESCOM because you are still importing coal. So the the, the, the ESCOM space is one of particular interest because it is the clearest indication to date of the inner workings of corruption. The pushback is certainly um, 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 there. And so that is why there has to be a greater collaboration and political will, particularly in the law enforcement uh, agency space on one hand, from a parliamentary perspective of cooperation between SCOPE, obviously, and the Portfolio Committee of Public um, Enterprises, where ESCOM ordinary reports uh, insofar as Parliament's operations are concerned. But what is fundamentally clear uh, here is that there does remain an element uh, looming large uh, of policy uncertainty between the Department of Public Enterprises and the Department of Minerals um, and Energy. All those elements of confusion um, are a breeding ground for corruption. When you have a disclaimed audit outcome for almost 10 years, like uh, the UIF uh, um compensation fund, we call for investigation because that confusion is a conducive and enabling environment for corruption. So in other words, I'm saying is that yeah. where we, 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 we are unable to do anything uh, insofar as, you know, resources, capacity, and so on, we rely on other agencies to partner with us um, to, do, to, 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 to do the work so that the oversight um, and I, I can say here that in, in the most difficult of political instances, we have managed to bring uh, uh, ministers and entities and to appear before us. And I think we meet largely more than any other committee in, in parliament. That's a, a statement of functionality and not to shy away uh, from our responsibility. But I will not, of course, pretend as though we are perfect. But I think we have largely managed to shine the spot to be accessible and to be transparent uh, and understanding that oversight and accountability are difficult political spaces in a specialized uh, committee space which SCOPA is placed at um, in Parliament. And the final point, the chair doesn't have any superpowers where he you know, can wave a wand or advance his own wish, but direct and channel the issues uh, and cooperation, teamwork is what will set um, Parliament in good stead. I believe there is less room for politicking in the parliamentary space whilst they're on a political ticket because corruption is corruption. An adverse audit outcome is an adverse audit outcome. There is no negotiation about it. And the appreciation I have is that the colleagues on the committee understand that and we are able to then deal with it and take the matter to its next step and to a logical conclusion. Fantastic, Mr. Fengwa. Thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate that. What I do propose to you, as well as the listeners out there, we get all the ad breaks that we were supposed to have played a little earlier on in the segment out of the way, after which we immediately take calls. I understand Mike Newlands is fastest out of the starting blocks. Very well, no surprises there. If anybody else wants to join the queue for calls, please do dial 086-000-2032. Lesejo is available to answer calls after which we will go to voice notes if there are any, as well as WhatsApp text messages if there are any. For the letter two, it's 0614-104-107. That's the voice note, voice note facility, either text or voice note. Let's please engage after the break. Mr. Tlengwa remains until the top of the hour because it is important, the work of Scopa, as you've just heard. Nothing conventional on the viewpoint. Mike and Newlands, good evening. You know what to do.
Yes, I do. Good evening and, and uh, good evening, Mr. Uh, really is, um, so First of all, let me just say how nice it is that you're sticking around to answer questions uh, these days. That's very rare. <laughs> I, I, want to put it, <laughs> I want to put it to you, sir, that, look, you know, this whole scope has failed. It's failed. Uh, your previous chairman uh, made a note that he said, you know, at wasteful expense over the five years when you was there, with something like, I forget now, two and a half million in credit cards, 47 million on cars, uh, and then, and then on top of that, this committee agreed to give the parliament a one billion rand okay on overspending. Um, it, 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 you're, you're talking about SAA, um, and you're talking about respect. Uh, and well, first of all, SAA hasn't produced a balance sheet for I don't know how long. I think you might have said four years, which is just absolutely unacceptable. You talked about the fact that you can subpoena people. Well, you can, but, you know, you had Lindiru Sulu in your parliament. She called Ramaphosa a thief, failed to turn up to parliament for four weeks uh, when she was minister of tourism. And, in fact, parliament actually issued a summons against her, which she totally ignored. So what I'm really just saying is, and I'm highlighting the fact that, quite frankly, Scopa is, is a failed body. It does nothing. Nobody has gone to jail. Billions of rands are being stolen. You admit yourself you're dependent on other departments. Well, what's the what's the point, sir? If we if if nobody is going to be held to account, and all you're going to do is wag your finger at them, I'm afraid, <laughs> you know, you, what in fact Scopa represents is the failure overall of Parliament, and I think also just has lost just any uh, just any respect that I suppose well suppose that it deserves. We are going nowhere with Scopa. You cannot tell me one person... In fact, you said to us that you have limited powers. I would like to disagree with you in conclusion. I would like to say to you, you have amazing powers. And the one power you have is to put it to the committee, are we prepared to put up with this disrespect we get from the current government? And if not, then I'm going to resign as chairman and who's coming with me. And I promise you, apart from the ANC, you will have amazing support because that's the power you really have. Because at the moment, sir, what you're doing is you're giving credibility to the ANC, the current government of the day, who is stealing from us absolutely in broad daylight. Thanks, Ongeso. Thank you so much, Mike and Newlands. We have one voice note, I understand. Lesejo, Lyle. Uh, good evening, Songs and Mr. Shengwa. Uh, the obvious question that uh, we ordinary people have uh, on SCOPA is uh, with SCOPA being there to exercise oversight, and especially on how government money is used, how come we still have all this corruption? Uh, how come we still have money not being used or money being stolen? and all these uh, kinds of corruption that are happening because I believe that Scopa is there to check how much money is used, where the money is used, and how much money is left if not all of it is used. But somehow we see the money finding its way to the pockets of the corrupt with Scopa around. How does that happen? Anonymous. Fantastic, Mr. Flengwa. There was a call. There has been a voice note. You wish to respond? Um, Kulego? Yes. Indeed. You've heard the questions I proposed. Yeah. You respond, please. Yes, please. It's a pity Mike has left because there would have been some clarities I wanted, but I didn't want to cut him. One, we don't appropriate funds to any department as SCOPA. That is done by Parliament through the Finance Committee and the Appropriations Committee. We receive audit outcomes from the Auditor General. So the one billion rands, I don't know where he says we gave anybody from. The second point is that the issue of Minister Sisulu was not a a matter between her and Scopa. It was her and the Portfolio Committee on Tourism, which are things not within our our, our radar. And the issue of... um, anonymous that he he raises again i raise the point uh, that we i I admit we are constrained by the fact that we come in after the fact but as i'm seated here now 
we have been unable to, we've been able rather to have an investigation done into the National Skills Fund, which has uncovered 5 billion rands worth of corruption. We've referred the matter to the SIU so that it can take it forward and investigate, and there will be prosecutions on that matter. That was at our instance. The dissolution of the board um, of Prasa um, at the time was at uh, our instance. The fact that uh, we have all our meetings in public the refusal to hold things in confidence when requests are made to do so. Those are the checks and balances that are there built into uh, what what, what we do. Yes, it would be easy. The easy way out would be to stand up and say, I'm leaving. Leave and go where? When within the parameters that you have, Ask the difficult questions. Call in the people that you must call in. We're dealing with the issue of vetting, and the um, state security agency said that they do not account to us. The committee collectively said if they refuse to come, they will be subpoenaed. The minister and the deputy minister appeared before us uh, because we put our foot down as a committee. I can list a long list um, of these things. One SAA, in fact, uh, now... When they were going to business rescue, amongst others, that process was influenced by the fact that we were not prepared to accept that SAA is not accessible to Parliament and we were prepared to even go to SAA. That is why, as I'm saying to you now, the audit process at SAA has commenced because SCOPA has been resolute in its outlook to say the SAA cannot continue on a trajectory of secrecy. I, I want to uh, uh, say that it, it depends from what vantage point you look at it. But I would not agree uh, that we have been a failure or that scope is a failure. But I will agree to say that the parliamentary operation in its entirety is not coherent and therefore not responding correctly or with the necessary uh, uh, resoluteness required to match the the action. I agree with Anonymous that the primary concern uh, of the citizens is where the money is going. But we we, we must also guard ourselves as a committee from doing the work of others. If there are failings within the Hawks and the NPA, it's the NPA who is responsible for uh, uh, prosecuting. Then let's call the S8 NPA in to say, why are you failing? As I'm sitting here, I'm saying to you, we are working a, out a memorandum of understanding with the SIU to strengthen the work of parliament because we have recognized that there's a problem and we are fixing it with collaboration. Let I, me just interrupt I, you on that point. Sure. Sorry to interrupt. I just have a few sure. questions. No, no, no. no. Yes, shoot. Just on that last point, for instance, would Scopa be in a position, say they have found the work of a particular executive branch to be woefully short of what the public expectation might be, in fact, to the extent that against its own investigations, Scopa's investigations, that is, they find a case of perception of corruption or some other criminality, would Scopa be in a position to charge that official or those officials so fingered in a scope investigation? Well, we, we're not in a position to charge people as a committee, but we can charge them with a law enforcement agency. And earlier on, you will recall, I did say that we are now looking at the best possible way within the parameters of the law, which would enable us to go and press charges with the SAPS or with the Hawks or where necessary to deal with these things. Also, I must hasten to say, consequence management, by the way, is not just charging people, but it's also ensuring that disciplinary processes um, take place um, at uh, 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 the, the various government departments and entities. I mean, it was at our in instance that it, it emerged that the CEO, albeit now that he's resigning um, of, of, of uh, uh, ESCOM, had not been vetted. And that uh, those are things that transpire out of our work. As, 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 as a committee. So at times, it's about saying, as long as you should be broadcasting from 8 to 10, 
Why are you not doing that? And then pushing, because that, that's the other thing, is that some, here we are pushing people, uh, not, because, not in the sense that uh, we are babysitting, but I mean it in the context that you say, so-and-so, do your work. And yeah, sometimes you do have to work the finger. You, sometimes you do have to lay the law down. We must not shy away from calling out the wrongs mm. that are happening, where, where they are happening. Let we, me ask we, another we, one. We must exist as a, as a moral voice of conscience for the public service. Sure. Talking about the public, I mean, you mentioned something which I thought was quite striking in that the petition to Parliament, that is a facility that is available to Songhez and the broader public at large. Do you want to say more about that? Because I think I would imagine if the ordinary South African folk knew of how they can participate in parliamentary work, probably, if not more than likely, it would happen that some of the malfeasance in the public service at large where your resources or your manpower simply doesn't allow you to get to, but by virtue of the public being sufficiently empowered to know that they could draft and dispatch petitions to your chamber, perhaps, only perhaps, the outcomes may be better. Spend time talking about the petitions to the parliament, your portfolio committees particularly, from the public. The, pet- the petitions committee is housed in the National Council of Provinces, and then at its discretion, it will make a determination as to where they would want to refer a matter. So it can be about any matter of public concern or public interest that a citizen or an organization has, just like the one I'm referring to, of Marcelunyane, for example, and that we took the time to go there. One of the things that has emerged out of that, and I'll give contact details at the end of the show, but so as, mm. is to say the Section 139 interventions, which are about municipalities, have proven not to work. And amongst others is that there is no standard operating procedure which guides the provincial government and national COCTA in terms of how uh, they implement it and when they can pull out. Because you've got municipalities that are under administration right now for years on end. And we are now saying to and working with COCTA to say we need to fix that lacuna in the system. The guidelines are necessary. This is a comic intervention. You, you know that the SIU investigates on the basis of proclamation in the main coming from the president. That when we asked to ask one simple question to the SIU and the presidents, what happens to the reports when you are done? We discovered that there was no process in place in the presidency as far back as 2002. So reports were being turned out and gathering dust somewhere. A matrix system is now being worked out by the presidency to say, when, if we commission a report through a proclamation, when it comes back, this is how it must be handled. So amongst others, the work that we do is to say, where are the gaps and the leakages which are facilitating uh, this malfeasance and this corruption and closing them? And these things emerge when we call them in and ask the critical questions. It may seem rather small and insignificant to others, but an SIU investigation cannot gather dust. And so the matrix system, as far as we are concerned, enables the SIU um, and the NPA to, in, to, to, to correctly prosecute and bring matters to a logical conclusion. The special tribunal of the SIU has got our full support in, 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 in dealing with matters uh, which the SIU brings um, before it, because it's got the competence of a court um, Mm. to do that. So all I'm I'm saying is that in in the main, I I think the major uh, public perception is to see, and I like it, is that if people see Scopa, then they see it's in the parliament, then it means we're doing something and that it means we are prepared to present ourselves to the public. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, and I think it's important that we, we subject ourselves to, to public scrutiny. You so certainly I'm not do. Sure. Hang on a yeah. second, Mr. Klingon. I beg Detail. your pardon. Um, can I just get five minutes of indulgence of your time immediately after no the problem, news break? Uh, no 21 hours has really crept up on us and I really do not want to abuse my platform because I'm on very good terms very early in the year with none other than my man, Greg Hose.
The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. On the viewpoint. The time is 21.06. Thank you so much to Mudupi Mahalimeli for reading, as always, eloquent the news at 21 hours. We look forward to him coming back at 22 hours, at which time I will be on my way out. In the first hour, we had the public lecture, the work of Scopa, what the public must know, delivered by the chairperson of that portfolio committee in Parliament, Mr. Mkulego Tlengwa, who has very gratuitously indulged us with a further five minutes of his time. We will take, therefore, a very quick call, please, from Miles Budu or Budu in Johannesburg. Miles, you will offer your call. And just for the record, I have offered Mr. Tlengwe a couple of messages that have come through on our platform for ease of reference. I'll just quickly read them out. One, the board of SABC does not currently exist. Who do we blame? And why should an entity receive funds from the public when it is not in good standing, as it were? Somebody lamenting about the status of the public broadcaster. Second, the importance of research and administrative capacity in the SCOPA space. And finally, is SCOPA empowered to enlist the services of independent professionals in public and private services so that it can lend weight to its team of committee members. Those are the three messages that have come through on our WhatsApp platform. Is Miles ready? Miles, your call very quickly, please. Yes, thank you very much for taking my call. Let me say this. Uh, this scopa is a front. Like all the parastatals or the Chapter 21 organizations, these, these are fronts. They are doorkeepers and gatekeepers and window keepers. And they, in fact, are established with the intention to keep us uneducated people busy and these 20 uh, chapter 1 organizations or chapter 22 organizations like Mouth is uh, not working sorry just just repeat that last part the chapter what institutions this chapter chapter 21 uh, these, these are parastatals that are funded by the state to keep the public away from a group so that the the right thing. I mean, we don't see people getting arrested, charged, prosecuted, and sent to prison, but on a daily basis. And these chapter 21 organizations like SOPA and, and iPad and Public Protect. Look, I I'm going to have to go to there from Miles. Place. Sorry, Miles, we have to go on. One, you are just cutting, unfortunately, the line between where you are and where we are. And I'm going to blame it on load shedding and the impact it has had on network facilities, unfortunately, in that regard. I mean no disrespect. I also don't understand what you mean by Chapter 21. I do hope that Mr. Flengwe is in a better position, but certainly the Constitution doesn't have cha- 21 chapters. Chapters go up to Chapter 14 in the general provisions containing the schedules. Mr. Flengwe, two, three minutes, your response to everything that has been said. Yeah, we're not a chapter not a chapter twenty one entity in whatever space. We are a committee of parliament, we are a committee of politicians. And I think uh, rightly or wrongly that's just the reality um, of it. Uh, my only uh, plea has always been to colleagues that uh, no matter how politically juicy and enticing and a, a matter might be, let's deal with it on the basis of the merits and demerits. Um of of issues before us. That is why, in the main, we have operated as a committee of consensus and have had very little reason to vote on the matter because we all collectively recognize the extent of the challenge. Um, We're not a front. All our meetings are public as a committee. We've never had a closed meeting, and I have made the commitment that we will not have closed uh, meetings. It's well within the chair's um, uh, uh, powers and functions to make that determination in conjunction with the committee, and um, I will not allow for closed meetings. I think that if a matter must serve before us, as it always does, then it should. We, Every meeting that we have, we announce it well before time for the purposes of transparency and access, and Parliament streaming services does that. Of course, if meetings happen concurrently, sometimes we will not be on the platforms. But I would also recommend that um, the 
CMG, the Independent Group, Parliamentary Monitoring Group, does very good work in capturing for the public uh, minute blow by blow, minute by minute blow by blow encounters of it. The website is also available, uh, accessible to the public. I think it's it's a good platform to read and track the things that we do. As I'm saying, we meet two to three times a week, more than any other committee, to deal with issues. Sometimes people will miss the issues we're dealing with. And worst of all, of course, is that we are not a soundbite committee. So we'll deal with the substantive matters. And I, where we fall short, we invite the, the criticism and for it to be constructive to help us. That's why I'm here, so that we, we can enrich the work of Parliament and for the public and push back on the frontiers of corruption. Quick responses to your questions. The board of the SABC does not exist. When Parliament adjourned uh, at the end of 2022, uh, the Parliament concluded its processes. We did take issue as a committee with SABC executive and we sent them packing those that had arrived because there had been shortcomings with the Department of Communications and Digital Technologies and National Treasury in so far as ensuring that an accounting authority was there when the board lapsed. The second failure is not to to stagger the board. The members are appointed all at once. And when their term expires, it happens all at once. So there's no continuity. The vetting process, amongst others, is why we called in the minister, in the president, in the deputy minister Mungubele and deputy minister Watt to deal with the vetting question because it delayed the appointment of, of the board. So the, the, the areas of blame insofar as why a board was not in place fall on many uh, uh, doorsteps, and some of them have listed now. But the vetting process, at SSA is a problem, it's lethargic, there's a lies of fair attitude, and it's totally unacceptable that they continue on a trajectory of this kind of pushback, and that is why we are prioritizing the matter. The importance of research administrative capacity fully agree with you, and that's why I highlighted the issue um, earlier on, and in our straight plan, and as we wrap up the work of the sixth parliament, one of the key um, um, you know, recommendations we'll be making is to ensure that parliament beefs up um, its capacity it is way below par and it does just does not have the muscle to match the work um, at play. The scope I empower to enlist the services of independent professionals in public and private service. Yes, we can. We can consult. Uh, we, as I've said, we can call anybody to appear before us. They can provide an expert opinion. They can provide, um, you know, advice, guidance, and support to the work that we are, we are doing. But ultimately, I, I, I believe that even though that kind of outsourcing, for lack of a better phrase, needs to find a parliament that is already uh, 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 agile, fully capacitated, so that you don't outsource the work of parliament and parliamentarians, because we must also be held accountable uh, and not seek to hide behind uh, uh, others. Let me conclude by Mm. giving the contact details. I'm sorry to be long-winded. You're a politician, dude. I understand. (laughs) Go for it. The the, the committee can be reached via email uh, to the following emails. Nkabinde at parliament.gov.za, Bikalin at parliament.gov.za, or myself, M. Shengwa at parliament.gov.za. So it's Nkabinde at parliament, Bikali at parliament, M. Shengwa at parliament. Um, we, the, 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 the contact details, the phone numbers of the Secretariat are all up on parliament's website, and I implore on South African public in order to follow what is happening in the work that we are doing. Parliament publishes every day what is called the Z list. So it's the full schedule of meetings that will be taking place uh, on that day. Uh, finally, to say, of course, um, in, in the worst case scenario that there's no responses to those emails, which hardly really ever happens, I can be reached on 71 Triple one zero five three nine zero seven one triple zero seven one triple one zero five three nine, and take matters forward. In the inquiries about petitions and so on, when I receive those, will direct them to the necessary. Uh, Thank anyway, you very much. Thank You're you a very brave much. man. Uh, 
Well, I, no, I'm, I must be publicly accountable. Very good. No, I was talking about yeah. you just dishing out your number like that, and I hope it's only used for public purposes. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a work phone, and I think it's important because there's also the issue of whistleblowing, which is very important to mm. protect the students to reach us sure. and be able to bring. So I do it uh, in, 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 the, in that context. Absolutely. Anyway, thank and you I very hope... much. I appreciate you, your time, and I hope we can have further discussions to and to peel this onion for public education. Thank you. I'm going nowhere, at least not until the end of March. I hope I'll be here for longer than that. And for so long as I'm here, we certainly shall have these conversations. Lila and Lesejo are smiling. They know what that means. Mr. Thlengwa is done and out after lending us 75 minutes of his time, probably longer than what we had anticipated. But hey, can we ever have a final conversation on the work of the Standing Committee on Public Accounts? Certainly not in this political and economic climate about specifically some of the things that are happening and not happening and that should be happening in our national parliament. The time is 21.16. We continue the conversation after the break. Mr. Joanna LeBlanc dialing in from the United States, Washington, D.C. after this. On the Viewpoint.